Welcome back to the Dealmakers Podcast Show with serial entrepreneur Alejandro Cremades, best-selling author of The Art of Startup Fundraising and co-founder at Panthera Advisors. In this podcast, we ask our guests about their successful acquisitions and financing rounds. Hey guys, so just a quick overview here on Panthera Advisors, as I think it might be of value to you. So Panthera Advisors exist in order to help founders that are in the process of raising capital or get their company acquired. I actually started the company out of incredible frustration because during my entrepreneurial journey, which involved building, financing, scaling, and exiting companies, I could not find a resource that was founder-friendly and I could not get the type of support that I was seeking. So as a result, I made a ton of mistakes along the way. So if you're looking to raise capital, or you are looking to get your company acquired, or just need some sound financial planning, and you're looking to get the best possible outcome in the shortest period of time, feel free to learn more by visiting us at pantheraadvisors.com, or just reach out directly and shoot me a note at alejandro at pantheraadvisors.com. Alrighty, hello everyone and welcome to the Deal Maker Show. So today we're gonna be learning quite a bit about you know platforms, about restaurants, I mean whatever, you name it. I mean we have the co-founder today of Toast, and he's going to be telling us a thing or two about building and scaling companies. So without further ado, Aman Narang, welcome to the show. Thank you, Alejandro. Thank you for having me. So originally, originally from India, Aman. So uh, I know that you moved here for, for high school, but how was life there in India? Life was good. I um, was born in uh, in uh, in eastern part of the country in a place called Assam, and lived uh, then in New Delhi till I was seven. I actually, have an interesting story where uh, when I was seven, I actually moved to Nepal till I was fourteen uh, because my dad got transferred as part of his work to Nepal, um, and there was a big change to move from Kathmandu, Nepal, to uh, Rochester, New York, upstate New York, for high school. Wow, I can't imagine. I can't imagine. And then from there, you started developing some type of love for computers. Is that right? Something like that. I think there was uh, my there was a lot of opportunity. Obviously, you know, this is in the late '90s with uh, everything that was happening with the internet, and so you know, as part of that, learned a lot about um, all the great businesses that were being built, and 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 uh, felt like uh, wanted to get involved. And then you landed in MIT. So how was the, the experience of being in, in MIT where probably some of the best engineers in the world are, are you know, coming out from? Yeah, it was hard. I was definitely one of the worst engineers at MIT. <laughs> <laughs> okay. okay. Yeah. yeah, but it was good. It was a really good experience. The people at MIT were great. And I think the, 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 the biggest thing that I got out of my experience was just building a great network of people. Um, and the first job that I got you know, out, of, out of college, I probably couldn't have gotten without the network at MIT, and uh, actually joined a company called Indeca right next door from uh, where MIT was in Kendall Square. And a lot of the, the team was um, was ex-MIT, and uh, my two co-founders that were at Indeca uh, were, also, were also at MIT with me. And uh, so the biggest thing I really got out of it was, I'd say, the network of people that I got to know um, that has landed me where I am today. So let's talk about that, because uh, you met your co-founders, and and obviously now, you know, like you, you guys say, launched Toast and, and the rest is history. But but I guess the, um, you know, I want to know, like, how did you guys, you know, really started, like, first and foremost, you know, connected, you know, started to really discuss between each other, 
you know, the potential of doing something together and and how is that day where you guys finally said, you know, hey, you know, it's time to uh, press the button and go at it? Yeah, the story really starts with this first job that we all got at this company in DECA that I mentioned. Um, yeah. So my co-founders, Steve Fredette and, and John Grimm, um, both of them worked um, at some point within Indeca as part of the special operations team. And this team's charter at Indeca was to really try to break new ground. Um, and Indeca's core business was e-commerce. Uh, we had probably, I don't know, 45 of the top 100 retailers on our platform. Um, and, um, and we were trying to break into new, new verticals, new industries uh, with, with, our, uh, with our software. Um, and so um, it, was, it was a good experience trying to not only build software, but actually trying to take it to market, working with the sales team, working with customers to try to find uh, an early product market fit. And we were, we were fortunate that we got to work on, um, um, you know, work on uh, software. We were trying to basically build a business within a business at Indeca, right, right at 21 years, uh, when we were 21, 21, 22 years old. Um, and um, and then when the iPhone came out, one of the one of the opportunities we had at Indeca was to build a, a mobile business because a lot of these retailers that I mentioned, um, you know, wanted to pro provide a capability on mobile. Uh, and so Steve Fredette, my co-founder here at Toast, and I worked on building Indeca's mobile presence. Um, Indeca was acquired in 2012 by um, by Oracle, and after the acquisition, you know, that was a good time to say, well. You know, we were in our late 20s um, and, um, and it felt like, you know, it was now or never in terms of trying to start a company because uh, we had talked about it for many years, just being part of the special operations team. Um, Got it. So really starting the company was more about starting a company with these, these, two, these two guys, Steve and John, more than starting a company, you know, serving restaurants. And, and we took probably, you know, three, three months trying to figure out what we were going to work on and then um, finally landed in restaurants by chance. Um, you know, there was a, a place in Kendall Square in, 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 in Cambridge, Massachusetts, that we used to go to, you know, probably once a month. It was a nice bar, you know, outdoor patio in the summer. And uh, it took us, you know, like 10 minutes or so to get our check and leave one night because it was busy, right? There's not enough servers at the restaurant. And we said, you know, as a fun project, frankly, this was not even like we hadn't really thought through like how we'd build, a, you know, a commercially viable business. Like we could build an app. We had a lot of experience with Indeca Mobile to build an app. Um, and we said we should build an app to make it easy to, you know, pay your bill and leave at restaurants. And uh, the thought was it would be easy, it would be faster. The restaurants would be happier because you could turn the tables faster. And, um, and it, was, it was reasonably contained in terms of what we were trying to build. Um, that was the beginnings of Toast. You know, we, we struggled for, I'd say, at least six months or so where, you know, we had 50 of our friends using it. Our wives were wondering what we were doing, not having real jobs and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and sitting on our, sitting on, sitting on a couch at home, coding some app for one restaurant that was using it. Um, and, um, that went on for about six months. And then as, as part of that experience, this is like the, probably the story of most startups, right? Like you, you, you learn an industry, you learn, Kind of what the challenges are, uh, just to get just by getting to know the, the community and and as much perspective and research as you have, right? By like analyzing, you know, a space by researching it online or by talking to people, you, you really learn, right? So much more by doing. And yeah. so our initial hypothesis was, you know, to build this app to make it easy to pay at restaurants and allow restaurants to uh, turn tables faster. 
while that didn't work, we, we, we realized that like restaurants were one of the few categories, and this is now in 2012, where, and it was a big category, right? There's lots of restaurants in the U.S. alone, something like 700,000 in restaurants. Um, and um, it hadn't really moved to uh, modern cloud-based software. And so, you know, you'd go to a lot of restaurants and they'd be using uh, Windows-based uh, software and hardware with servers in the restaurant. Um, when, when I say servers, I mean physical computers as opposed to like servers serving people food. And uh, and um, and like we asked the question, like, you know, why is this technology uh, not cloud enabled? And as we talked to restaurateurs about it, right, like it, it became apparent that unlike the original idea that we had, you know, restaurateurs wanted to talk to us about that. And they felt like, you know, like the constant theme that we heard was like, why is our, you know, why is our POS and our technology in restaurants not simple, like the smartphones in our pockets? And, uh, you know, whether it was how they, what, like being able to access some of their data and their reports at home. I still remember one of our early customers was like one of the best things that Toast did was allow me to like access my restaurant from home so that I don't have to be on site all the time, right? Or being able to update my menu and add specials or allow people to order online or just some of the basic capability that you can get from a cloud-based platform where anything yeah. that you can really do in the restaurant, you can also do uh, outside the restaurant. And that was really the beginnings of Toast, where there was this. What we we found there was this, there was this big category where the transition to cloud hadn't happened. Um, there's a lot of reasons for that. We could talk forever about what you know. It wasn't just the software; it was also the fact that these restaurant POS systems had custom hardware. And um, but but that was the beginnings of, of Toast, where we found this opportunity, uh, where um, you know a, a, a true cloud-based platform to make these restaurant tourists' lives easier really just didn't yeah. exist. And man, did you guys hit product market fit or what? How much money have you guys raised? I don't even know, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I think we've raised like somewhere around 400 million or so. Um, but wow. yeah, we we were fortunate that we, you know, as we went to talk to restaurants, it, it was very clear that 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 uh, building a solution that allowed them to. Um, run their restaurants more efficiently, get better access to their data, um, frankly, turn their tables faster. We finally landed on a capability where, um, kind of like the Apple Store, right, where you, you, you can now go to the Apple Store and, and you don't have to stand in line because you can buy right in the aisles, right, with the, with yeah. the Apple genius, with the Apple team. Um, it's this, uh, we offered something similar where, you know, at restaurants, you, uh, we, we um, uh, servers, can take orders uh, and payments at the table with this device called the Toast Go. And it's a pretty cool experience as a guest, actually, where, you know, you you, you could be at the table, uh, let's say a big party, and you're taking drink order and then appetizers and entrees. And even before the server has left, left the table, you start to see the drinks show up because they've got a, a tablet at the table that, that works well. And so uh, very early on, we were seeing these signals where, like, restaurants were, like, very engaged with what we were doing and, and giving us lots of feedback. I'd say a lot of it was driven by, you know, so much of it was customer led because they said they, they realized the value of like replatforming some of this technology around POS to something, you know, modern uh, that, uh, that, that allowed them to kind of run their businesses more effectively. And then how did you go about scaling up the team? Because I mean, you have quite a bit of employees. How many employees do you have now? Uh, we have uh, about 2,500 employees. Wow. So how, how did you go about scaling the team? Yeah, it's a lot of learnings the hard way. I think, you know, it's um, it's funny how it, for 
most folks that are, especially first-time founders like we were, um, the, the the skills and the capabilities necessary to you know try to go find product market fit, right? Versus versus scaling a company, and there's never it's not black or white ever. It's always like you know it's gradually this happens are, are quite different, because early on it, it, a lot of it's like you know about um, about there's some luck involved for sure, but there's it's it's like you know trying to analyze. Um, in industry and an opportunity, uh, you're often very resource constrained. So you're in a lot of the details, actively working through problems yourself. And that the hard challenge very early on, even if you find some early traction, is like there's just like so much to do to get a company off the ground. Um, and uh, you're, off, you're often juggling, right, uh, many different priorities. Um, and you can only do things so well. Once you start to you know get some capital in the business and say okay it's time to scale because let's say you're fortunate and you found something that has you know there, there's something you've, you've found something there's demand for and it's a big market and you've been able to raise capital right like the challenge is, is often like you know starts to change where it's it's so much more about like can you actually build a great team right can you attract great talent can you keep people aligned right can you uh, can you can you get folks to understand the why behind the decision making and it's it's a different challenge because um, you know when you're at uh, 20 50 100 people often you know everybody by name you, you you're working actively with them and um, and you've got these you know really good you've got relationships with everybody that changes right as the team scales as much as you want to connect with the whole team you, you cannot do it at 2500 people and so like the challenge uh, it's very different at say scaling a team. Like, and I think you think about like, building a great team. Like, it, it starts by first of all being able to articulate a great vision about what the opportunity is. Um, and while it may be obvious, right, like being able to put it on paper and articulate in a way that gets people to galvanize around an opportunity is actually in some ways different than like finding the early product market fit, even though it might be the same exact thing that you're articulating. Got it. Um, because you know, often it's about selling to you know, it's not. It's about articulating that to a big uh, group of folks and helping them understand the why behind things. And then on the on the team side, right? Like as you get people, um, as you get as you build a bigger team, right, it's it's about you know what is what are the ways in which uh, you operate? Like what's your operating system? Um, you know how do you how do you how do you build a culture where people have a, a voice and, and can be part of the solution, but also um, are aligned on a common mission? And so. Those are different challenges. Like, you know, one thing that we had to, that I had to personally, you know, learn uh, often the hard way was, you know, things like how important it was to be data-driven in your decision-making, right? Like early on, you know, you, you, you're typically making decisions off of intuition and gut. And as you get bigger, right, you're not in all the details. And so you have to build a culture where, you know, as much as possible, you're using data to make decisions. Um, you know, how much, uh, how hard it is to attract and hire great talent, right? There was another big challenge for us where, we, you know, I think I frankly have to learn it the hard way where, um, um, you know, how just the process of, uh, of, um, of even something as simple as how do you, you know, assess an interview? How do you go about finding people that are a good match for the business, not only on skills, but also on culture? You know, those are all things you have to learn, uh, I'd say, especially for folks like me who are first time founders. Got it. So when you were doing an interview, like you were saying now, what is the one question where you pay the most uh, amount of attention to the answer that you're going to be getting and why? Yeah, you know, it's a good question. For me, when interviews, what's, what's, worked, uh, what's worked well is, um, 
to a understand like why they're excited about the opportunity of toast because it gives gives me perspective on you know why they the, why their uh, candidate is uh, sees a great opportunity with you know and, and and why they're excited about you know what toast is doing and uh, whether it's passion for restaurants or the culture we have as an organization and then um, also you know I like to pick uh, I like to take something on their resume um, and go deeper on it just to understand. Um, you know how they think, and and um, and um, and um, you know some of the challenges that they've faced working through something comp, uh, complex, and and how they've navigated those. Um, and so for the, the biggest thing is more than any one specific question. It's really about taking one experience on their resume that you know they that. And I, often I'll ask them like, "What do you think best maps to like this opportunity to toast in your background?" And then spend maybe forty five minutes talking about it to understand kind of. And with some depth, uh, you know, what they went through. Got it. And one of the uh, questions that I typically ask the guests that come on the show is, um, you know, I mean, you've you've been at it for quite a while now. I mean, you guys obviously got started in 2011, so it's been it's been quite a, a wild ride. So I think that if, if you had the opportunity, let's say, to have a chat with your younger self, with that younger self that was perhaps brainstorming still at uh, Endeka, uh, what would be that one piece of business advice that you would give to yourself before launching a business, knowing what you know now and why? I think the biggest thing I'd give for myself would be just to be more patient and to listen better. Maybe it's very cliche advice, but you know, I, I think often I was quick to jump to conclusions, and um, and I was I was definitely very passionate about making an impact and winning, but. But, you know, sometimes just like trying to do things too quickly and not actively listening uh, just makes things, you know, um, harder when they don't need to be. Um, and so, yeah, that's probably what I would say. And, you know, the listening is, is so easy to say, but it's so hard to do. So how, how do you go about really mastering listening, you know, all around, all across the board, either with investors, with uh, customers, with employees? How, what have you learned about that? I, th I think you learn some of that the hard way often, you know, there is, um, um, I've got good feedback over the years where, um, you know, um, making sure that, for example, that, that, uh, that, that people understand the why behind any decision that people feel heard and there's good two way dialogue is such an important part of, uh, of, 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 uh, an organization kind of all rowing in the same direction. And so I think a lot of it, you know, we, we learned through experience, I'd say, and I, I did too, um, where, you know, the best way to learn, right, is you see a situation where uh, not everyone's aligned and then um, the progress that you make as a result is suboptimal. And, uh, and so, um, and I'm sure part of it's also, you know, just uh, over the years to get older, like, you know, you, you, you learn that over time as well. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, very cool. So Aman, so for the folks that are listening, what is the best way for them to reach out and say hello? Sure. Yeah, they can uh, reach out to me um, just at uh, uh, on LinkedIn. They can connect with me, and I'm happy to connect as well. Fantastic. Well, Aman, it has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for being on the Dealmaker Show today. Thank you, Alejandro, for hosting. This was fun. If you like the show, make sure that you hit that subscribe button. If you could leave a review as well, that would be fantastic. And if you got any value, either from this episode or from the show itself, share it with a friend. Perhaps they also appreciate it. So also remember that if you need any help 
whether it is with your fundraising efforts or with selling your business, you can reach me at alejandro at pantheraadvisors.com. You've reached the end of another episode of the Dealmakers podcast. For free resources and materials, head over to alejandrocremades.com. Thank you for listening and see you at the next episode.